Hey everybody, this is Ed from the Whiskey Tangent Podcast with another Whiskey Short. I'm here with Scott. Hey everybody. And today we're doing one that has long been anticipated by Scott and I. Maybe you guys too, that'd be great if our 12s of fans were rallying around us during this tumultuous time period. But what we are doing today is a quick taste of Blanton's. Whiskey short. Mm, Blanton's. And anyone who knows bourbon whiskey knows Blanton's. A lot of people sing its praises. And then it's got its haters. Because you know what? When you're considered somewhere near the top of the commercial pyramid, you're going to have your detractors. Right. Is Blanton's the best whiskey ever? Blah, blah, blah. Some people say absolutely. Other people simply won't give it the credit because so many other people do. Yeah. We've had it before, of course. Of course. But we've never sat down to really analyze it. No. The reality is it's hard to find recently, and it's overpriced for the price point of what I want to drink. Mm, so the bottle we're drinking today, I got for $61, which is not terrible. No. Seen it for much higher than that. I mean, even 10 years ago, you're uh, going to pay 40, $49, $50 mm-hmm. for a bottle blend. Yeah, I think the one that I have that um, is empty sitting here next to it, I think I got that maybe eight years ago, and it was about $50. Uh, actually, you got it five years ago. Five years ago? There's oh. a date on when it was <laughs> bottled. Well, let me say that again. I got it about five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and it was $50. Right. So that's a little bit of inflation. But what we talk about often on here is the second market that's developed in the first market. Liquor stores price gouging us because they know we want rare expressions like Henry McKenna or Blanton, which I think is the poster child of the price gouge industry. I walked in three places this month where I've seen it for over 80 and I've seen it for as high as $99. God, what? $99. Fuck that. Always behind the register on a shelf tantalizing you with a big giant whiskey middle finger right next to it <laughs> because i'm like there's no way i'm i won't enjoy it at a hundred dollars i no. won't enjoy it i'm gonna enjoy every sip at 61 yes right and blanton's is the original single barrel right it's the one that started the whole craze and i think might be a factor in why some people don't like it every barrel is going to taste a little bit different and they'll get a blanton's barrel that maybe they didn't like or it doesn't taste exactly like they remembered it also true right if they had it before and then they get another one and it's not what they remember right yeah so i'm going to try to give you a four minute history on blanton's because it's an interesting story it took me about 15 minutes to figure out what the hell they were talking about yeah it's it's crazy it's a brand that was invented by somebody and then bought by somebody somebody and and somebody owns the rights to the brand and they only sold it in japan oh so we'll get into it get into it random belligerence i didn't mean to yell the short story (laughs) is Blanton's is a brand of bourbon whiskey produced and marketed by the Sazerac company, mm-hmm. though Sazerac doesn't own the brand. It does have exclusive distilling rights. The brand is owned by Age International Incorporated. It is distilled in Frankfort, Kentucky at the Buffalo Trace Distillery, which is owned by the Sazerac company. The Blanton brand itself was launched in 1984 under the guidance of distillery master Elmer T. Lee as the first modern brand marketed as a single barrel, which yeah. Scott just told A us. huge name in the industry. Well, he has a expression named after himself. Right. So the original brand name was named Blanton Single Barrel Bourbon. Mm-hmm. A single barrel bourbon is one, like we said before in here, where each bottling is a batch that's produced from the contents of one particular aging barrel, not mixed with whiskey from a lot of barrels, nor having any neutral spirit or colors of flavorings added of course heresy (laughs) the 
company says that the barrels there are dumped by hand, not machinery, mm-hmm. and that there's eight different stoppers that come on the bottles. Everyone knows that who knows Blanton's, and they have a horse on them and all in different poses, and it spells out the name Blanton's. So if some people want to collect all of them, it's something to do. Typically age six to eight years. And it's aged in a particular warehouse, Warehouse H at Buffalo Trace, which is the only metal cladded warehouse at Buffalo Trace and was commissioned for construction by one of the distillery's early leaders, Albert B. Blanton, shortly at the end of Prohibition. Because mm. metal transfers heat quicker than the brick warehouses, right? which allows for more wrapping aging. Though it's only six to eight years, in theory, this means it's aged more than a traditional six to eight year expression. Albert B. Blanton worked at the facility, which is now the Buffalo Trace Distillery, for approximately 55 years. He began working at the distillery back in 1897 at the Mm -hmm. age of 15. He eventually worked in every department. And in 1912, he was appointed superintendent of the distillery, its warehouse, and its bottling shop. At the same time, the distillery itself was renamed at that point the George T. Stagg Distillery, and he became president of the whiskey part of it in 1921. Mm. Blanton eventually died in 1959. But here's the interesting part. Colonel Blanton, as he's referred to because of an honorary title given to him by the Commonwealth of Kentucky, he hired Elmer T. Lee in 1949 before he retired. And Lee introduces Blanton's in 1984, a year before he retires. Right. So they go from 1897 to 1985, basically, these two men who have overseen one of the most iconic distilleries in America, which is what Buffalo Trace has become. Right. They have dozens and dozens of brands under their umbrella. Correct. So Blanton's is steeped in a lot of history, both in the production of it, and Scott's going to get into why it was produced and why the brand and the distillery and the ownership is so convoluted and why there's so much of Blanton's made that we're not allowed to have. Scott? Yeah. So researching this, I watched a YouTube video about Blanton's and they tell pretty much what Ed, you just said, Elmer T. Lee and Albert Blanton and the Warehouse H, they do all of that. What they don't tell you is that Blanton's has a Japanese connection. Mm. So in 1984, two former Fleischmann Distillery executives acquired the Buffalo Trace Distillery, which was then, as Ed mentioned, the George T. Stagg Distillery. They also acquired Shenley Distillery's bourbon Ancient Age, believing that the future of bourbon was overseas. Remember, this is 1984. This is the dark ages of bourbon. They called their new company Age International. The brand chased the profitable high-end priced segment, and that meant introducing the world's first commercial single-barrel bourbon specifically designed for Japan, Uh packaged in the now iconic grenade-shaped horse-stoppered bottle. Blanton's was such a hit in Japan that by 1992, a Japanese company called Takara Shuzo had purchased Age International for $20 million whereupon they immediately sold the actual distillery to Sazerac while retaining Blanton's trademark. When it was finally sold in America, Blanton's was priced at $24 a bottle, which was a huge price point at the time and was advertised in such upscale places as The New Yorker, The Wall Street Journal, and Ivy League alumni magazines. At the same time in Japan, drinkers were gladly paying $115 per bottle. (laughs) So we have Japan and their love of whiskey to thank for Blanton's. Right. And so, Scott, I guess that explains why so much of Blanton's was developed and sold for the international market. And even today is still not available to us. Correct. It still is. They We have um, 10 or 11 different expressions that you cannot get in the United States. That is, I mean, first of all, let's be honest. We can barely get the regular fucking expression in the United <laughs> States anymore. It's so hard to fucking find. And no Buffalo Trace, fuck you again. Random belligerence. Ed edition. 
I take that back. Just don't mad. leave. Don't leave mad. I was don't just leave. mad. Don't never send us free stuff. Um, <laughs> don't never send. Okay, good. <laughs> but you have this great whiskey, and for some reason, you built one metal warehouse in nineteen like thirty three. You couldn't throw two more up and make more Blantons for us. Is it so hard for you to figure it out in the last seventy years that we like Blantons? Well, wait a minute. They produce all of that there, and then they ship it overseas. Right. That's the point. You yeah. have it here. It's not like you have a Blanton distillery outside of Tokyo somewhere that you have to ship it back here. You're making it here and just not giving it to us. Yeah. So if you find yourself uh, in Japan, these are the expressions that you might find. Just bring all your money. Go. Yeah. So now the Blantons that we get in America, which we have here, and we promise we'll get to tasting it soon, <laughs> it's 93 proof and aged a minimum of six years. So these expressions are slightly different. There's Blantons straight from the barrel, which is a barrel proof. Oh, it's which so of exciting. Which of course varies. I saw a picture. One of the bottles had 132.4 proof. That would be straight from the barrel. Yeah. Cut, yeah. They have Blanton Silver, which is a 98 proof. There's a Blanton's Gold, which is 103 proof. And I've heard from a very close source, Scott told me, that uh, gold <laughs> is supposed to be starting to become available in America. That is very so true. Can you imagine how rare the 103 proof gold Blanton's is going right. to be when they release those 40 yeah. bottles next year or whatever? <laughs> exactly. We'll be murdering people in the aisle. $1,000. For a bottle of bourbon. Yeah. Uh, they have a Blanton's Special Reserve, which is a, in a green label, and that's 80 proof. The Takara Gold. That's the Blanton's Gold, the same proof, 103, but aged two years longer. They got the Takara Black, which is the Blanton's Green, same 80 proof, but aged two years longer. And they have a Takara Red, which is the same as the Blanton Single Barrel we have here, 93 proof, but aged two years longer. You're seeing a pattern. I think Takara translates into two years longer. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, 30th anniversary, they have, it's a 100 proof set of all eight-lettered horse stoppers. It's all the bottles or you just the stoppers? It's a 100 proof bottling set set of eight. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know how much that costs. I would think it would be a thousand dollars. That's the 30th anniversary, hundred proof set. So that's it. That's the Blanton's you can't get. So let's talk about the one we can get. Yeah. The uh, mash bill is proprietary, but it's been strongly leaked that it's 15% rye. Mm. Going off a traditional 10% malted barley. So this is going to be a very corn-forward expression, I would think. You want to look up the tasting notes, or you want sure, to taste yeah, no, it? No, I'm taste it first. Let's taste it first. All so right. I have it neat right here. I have it neat in a uh, neat glass, actually. As do I. Very amber-brown. It's not ver- it's overly dark. No. It's a wonderful color. It's really perfect in its color. It smells very nice. It's not overly what you alcohol. What are you getting on the nose? It's very traditional. Caramel. Yeah. It smells like a bourbon. Yeah, really. <laughs> um... There's a little bit of a caramel maybe in the back of it. I am tasting a little bit of baking spices. There's a little bit of a spice in my nose. It could be from the rye. Um, I'm smelling a little bit of a cherry. Some oak and caramel. But not a sweet vanilla. Not like a Woodford. All right. Take a sip. Taste it. It's, um, ooh, so damn, it's good. It's so good. Um, There's a spice there. It's so spicy for being low rye, but of course, the yeast has a lot to do with that also. Um, Yeah, it's um, almost a wood spiciness rather than like a green spiciness. So the beginning is very traditional. It's very vanilla caramel forward. The finish is interesting. I'll explain why. It's very sweet mm-hmm. on the tongue. And then the spiciness comes. You can taste a lot of alcohol though. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not alcohol forward, but no. the alcohol comes in in the middle of it. There's a little bit of a bitterness at the end. I mean, not in a bad way, but the sweetness turns so much to mm-hmm. the spice that it, it, it's a dry finish, if that makes sense. Yeah. Consistency on the tongue. 
It's not incredibly thick, but it's um, it has a nice mouthfeel. When you put some water on it, it just opens up a lot of flavors. It, cut, mm. it cuts that alcohol taste down a little bit. Traditional flavors are coming through. The oak, the caramel, vanilla, a little bit of the baking spice. I'm tasting a little citrus now that I didn't taste until I put the water on that Scott had tasted earlier. Yeah, let me put a little bit more been, water in there. See if I can taste what you were tasting. Oh, yeah. The sweeter flavors are much more pronounced with the water on it. The bitter, dry, spicy notes that we were describing when it was not proofed are gone now. Yeah. It finishes a lot more evenly. Mm-hmm. Even the one that I had sitting on the globe, it's still strong. It's so interesting that drinking it neat seemed really strong alcohol flavor. And drinking with the globe on it, half melted, also seems really strong alcohol flavor. But the one with just a little bit of water on it doesn't. Yeah. Um, in the past year, since Scott and I have done the podcast, I've drank more whiskey than I ever have in my life. Um, <laughs> it's an more, understatement. More different more, whiskeys. Uh, definitely. More barrel proofs. I've had a lot to compare it to since I would have had Blanton's as one of my earlier whiskeys because it was like one that was yeah a cool bottle, attracts your attention. When, and back then it was $50. That was one of my first treats that I remember getting. Like, yeah. yeah, me too. Now it's so hard. It's like a super treat. We have to have apps on our phone to stalk when it comes out. <laughs> Right, you have to have connections at uh, liquor stores and bartenders, which we do now. Hey, Anders. Right. (laughs) So I looked up the tasting notes from our friend, the whiskey jug, just to see if he agrees with what we kind of came up with. Mm -hmm. Sometimes on this podcast, we like to look them up first and then tell you that and then see if we can taste that. And sometimes we like to do the opposite. I'll be honest with you. When we first started the podcast, sometimes we would be like, what am I supposed to taste here (laughs) so I don't look like an asshole? But our palates have actually developed a bit now that we like to take a shot at ourselves and then see what our friend at the, you know, we have to reach out to him one time. We We should. He's like our best friend that we never talked to. He doesn't know we exist. So on the nose, he says uh, bourbon spice dominates the nose, and it takes a second to find anything else. Caramel, maraschino cherry, cinnamon, some vanilla, and a little corn come out once it settles. I don't really smell much oak, and there is a wheat-like sweetness permeating the entire nose, even though there isn't any in the mash bill. Interesting. It is very interesting. I mean, uh, that's very close to what we were saying, because I said the cherry, you said the baking spices, he has cinnamon here, and then at the, the spice itself. We focused on that a lot. Yeah. All right, so the palate, he says caramel is up front with a rich bourbon spice riding shotgun. Wow. That's exactly it. Yep. Listen to this. Citrus zest, mm. cinnamon, hint of vanilla, and mild oak. Fill in the back seats as this buggy is rolling. Yeah, I mean, he's exactly where we were. Yeah. It's complex, but it's not that tricky of a tasting. Right. It's just everything you want to taste in a traditional bourbon done right. Oak, caramel, vanilla, corn, and that's what Blanton's is. Yeah. And the finish, uh, corn, caramel, malt, and wood combine and fade on a shockingly short finish. I said it was like a dry finish. Yeah. What I meant was yeah, it kind of just stops. Yeah, it kind of just ends. Normally, that's a huge criticism of, of Scott and I when we talk about mm-hmm. whiskeys, mm-hmm. but not in this case. Right. So uh, it's not quick in the sense that like no. like the Evan Williams white label is quick. Right. It's quick given how good the palate is to begin with. You would expect it to finish longer and it just doesn't. Right. This is so much like a five seconds orchestra tuning as you sip it and then it's just done. And it's like, wow, what was that? That was so explosive. <laughs> I mean- I really like this one with a little bit of water in it. Yeah. It tastes tremendous. Yeah, I agree completely. It's exceptional. It's a granddaddy of single barrels made by the granddaddies of whiskey themselves. Elmer T. Lee and Albert Blanton, two guys that spent 90 years in the bourbon industry caring about you and me. Yeah. So final thoughts on this. 
if you can find it for anywhere under 65 and under, you can't do yourself wrong. It's a good drink anytime, any day. It's wonderful. It's got history. It's got Americana. It's got a great bottle. Everything that you like in a bourbon is Blanton's. And we have the L horse, just by the way. You're an L horse. I don't even know what that I means. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> no, All right, bye, everybody. <laughs> Later. Later.